Welcome to the In God She Trust podcast with your host, Kitcha Cooper. And I have to make a disclaimer for this for this um, episode. You probably noticed the little E next to the the episode, which means explicit. Um, obviously, you know, not going to be doing cursing or whatever, but we are going to be talking about um, some very adult content and some explicit content. And so this is not a podcast for children. This is not, this is not for the ears of young children to hear. Um, I would even say, um, 18 and under, but, um, if you're a parent and you listen to this and you do want your child to listen to this, use your discernment, but this is a podcast episode where I'm giving you a warning now that if you don't want, um, your kids to hear about certain adult things, um, that now I'm just going to give you a chance to pause and then you can come back to it. Or if you yourself don't want to listen to that type of stuff, um, it is obviously going to be in biblical context, but I'm just letting y'all know right now that if you don't want to listen to it, or if you have kids in the room, maybe skip it and come back to it later. So, all right. So with me today, I have brought, um, obviously my favorite person, which is Jesslina Rao. (laughs) And then, um, we brought, her husband, Joshua. Josh. Say hi, Josh. Hello. <laughs> so yeah, how how are how are y'all? We are blessed by the best. How are you? I'm stressed but blessed. <laughs> Stressy depressy. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my god. I'm totally kidding. No, I'm it, you know, it's just like one of the you know, just moving and packing and everything. It just stresses me out, but no, I'm good. Um we have quite the interesting topic to discuss today. So, this is something that um it's a it's a topic that's kind of taken at least the United States by storm. It seems like every time you tur- you turn on the news, um, or if you just have ears and eyes, it pops up everywhere. It feels like, and we live in a very um, we live in Wyoming, and Wyoming is very conservative and very sh- not sheltered, but sheltered at the same time. And um, and so a lot of times, like what happens in. California or, um, you know, New York or other like bigger states, bigger city stuff. We aren't really affected by it here. We don't have like, you know, the type of people we have a very, um, we have a lifestyle that's very conservative, very slow. You know, um, we still say hi to strangers on the street. You know, we, we, you know, we have a, a lot of like big community and we are rooted deeply in conservative values. Um, sometimes that has been great. Sometimes it, has not been so great, but for the most part, Wyoming, um, is one of the States that everyone wants to move to because it values family. It values, um, uh, conservative values. And so a lot of the stuff that we've been hearing, um, you know, making its way into schools, um, specifically, um, the transgender movement, and all of that stuff that like we've heard like kind of make its way into, you know, California, New York, bigger, bigger places we haven't had here. And, um, and I, you know, I follow some people on Instagram where, um, they've been like showing like certain books that have popped up in schools that should name should not be in schools that, 
um, that kind of teach about sex and gender and like, you know, they're wanting to teach sex and gender to five-year-olds in kindergarten and all of that stuff. Um, and they're, you know, wanting children to be able to consent to puberty blockers and all of this stuff. And we just haven't really had to worry about that stuff. And then last night, my friend sent me um, a link to a survey and she said, I want you to take this survey. And you had taken it earlier too. I, I, I was on a walk with my dogs and I called Jess. I said, I am so mad right now. And she's like, why? And I'm like, I had to make this, take this survey. And she's like, oh, I already took it. And like, you already knew what it was. I got it around, I want to say like two o'clock. I was, um, I was at work and this survey has been like growing like wildfire, but it's been like underground wildfire. And I'm like, but why? Like this thing needs to be, you know, on everyone's Facebook, like, and I remember just getting so flushed out, like, flushed out, like, what is this? Yeah. And Keetri was just like, wait a minute, like, how do you know? I'm like, yeah, it was sent to me anonymously, like, in a way, but not anonymously. And Mm -hmm. I was told to, like, keep it um, really, like, close to the chest. And I'm like, no, like, (laughs) I was like, we need to, everyone needs to know about this. So, um, I'm going to take y'all through the survey and we're going to have a discussion about it. And I don't care if this podcast is three hours long, because I feel like it's one of those topics that we have to, um, rip the bandaid off, rip the the bandaid off and dress the wound properly instead of pouring salt into the wound. Exactly. So, um, anyways, this was a survey that was sent out by, um, I think a board member if I'm not mistaken, of, of our schools. And, yes. um, so, and it was weird. It says, you know, please take this survey, um, to get input from stakeholders, um, you know, about, um, include, you know, libraries in the classroom that might be deemed controversial, specifically pornographic material. And as soon as I read that sentence, I went, no, like, are, I, I, w- I immediately thought that maybe they were wanting to implement that into the school. And so it says, um, pornography will be defined as printed or visual material containing the explicit description or display of sexual organs or activity intended to stimulate erotic, rather aesthetic or emotional feelings. And it kind of goes down. It asks, like, you know, if we have a relationship to school-aged children in Lander, stuff like that. I'm like, no, but I, I was an employee for eight years. You know, I worked specifically in in the schools for a lot of times. And it asked if we believe that if I believe that there is a problem with transparency between schools and parents at a national level and yeah, absolutely. Like let's see what's going on in California in the Glendale unified school district. I think I showed you Ash, this video that the assistant superintendent was bashing coaches and parents that were coming against them because they did not want um, minors undressing in front of them. That's disgusting. Yeah. And she was just making this ploy of like, well, they're just girls. Yeah. And I'm like, but they're underage. And they're, Josh is like looking disgusted. You can say it. You can chime in at any time if you want. Josh, yeah, babe, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just disgusting, like, these people, like, that are on school boards and basically think that they know what's best for children 
when really all they're doing is pushing their own agenda. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I want to, you know, start off by saying, and this isn't to sugarcoat anything, but we do love people. We are commanded to love all people. Um, and, but there, there is a certain point where, um, you know, Christ had to put his foot down against some certain things. And so, um, you know, I'm not like, I, I don't want it to seem like it's, um, putting a foot down against like, um, people and hating on people, but this is an issue and this is becoming a serious problem. And biblically there's no ground for it. Um, so anyways, and then it asked if we, if I believe that there is a problem between our schools and parents and I kind of was like, eh, kind of medium, they're usually pretty open here. And then, um, it asked if I believe if teachers should share their political opinions in the classroom settings. And I said, no, absolutely not. Um, and then it asked if I believe schools should teach or present controversial issues to students such as, but not limited to critical race theory, black lives matter, LGBTQ plus artificial intelligence, religion, fracking, cloning, human trafficking, and gun control. And there is four different options, but I said, no, it is not the school's responsibility to provide this information to students. It is a parent decision. And I, I believe kids need to learn about government and all of that stuff. But like I took a government class on like, how do laws work? All of this stuff. But I was never taught on gun control. I never even like critical race theory is something that's new. Um, you know, all of this stuff. We didn't have Black Lives Matter back then. So a lot has changed since like we even graduated. But it's, it should be a parental thing. It should not be left up to the schools. A lot of people nowadays um, want to say, like, well, why do they go to school then? And you had shared something with me on Instagram Mm -hmm. that the public school system is just teaching kids anything and everything so that they don't prosper. Because what high school student do you know that knows how to change a tire, balance a checkbook, how to do their taxes? how to cook, how to apply for a loan, how to, you know, I mean, like there are like certain classes that we have in the school system. But um, if you look into the history of the school educational system, um, it was started by, I believe, J.D. Rockefeller. Mm -hmm. And um, the reason why they call it Sunday school um, and, you know, because like, you know, everyone went to Sunday school is because it was everyone everyone way back, way back in the day, they all were far, they pretty much were all farmers. They all had their own businesses and stuff like that. So, um, for two hours before church, they would sit down and they would have quote unquote Sunday school where they would teach children how to learn, you know, like learn how to read, write and do math. Um, and then they, but then, you know, but it only took two hours a week. And then all the other times they were out helping their families run businesses and farming and, you know, doing all of this other stuff. And, um, they didn't want more entrepreneurs. They didn't want more business owners. What they needed was was more employees. And so what they did was they formed the school system around getting more employees. And so they said, let's teach them everything about everything, but also teaching them nothing. And they, in order to kind of indoctrinate these people into being employees and to going to being kind of, um, slaves for the government, quote unquote, because JD Rockefeller was loaded rich massively rich had a ton of pull um and you can all look this up you can just google it um 
And so they found out that it takes about 12 years to indoctrinate and to kind of shift the mindset. And um, they wanted to start um, um, not, I hate the word indoctrinating because it sounds so like deep, but it is, but they wanted to start indoctrinating them to work an eight hour work week. So they made school eight hours long. Well, kids cannot sit still for eight hours. If you actually break it down and I worked in a school system and I, and I, I still love the people that I worked with. Um, the, the actual amount of time that the children are actually learning is roughly two to four hours of actual instruction time. Everything else is just kind of um, getting in line, putting away your papers, doing lunch, going to recess, all of this other stuff. But the actual instruction time per day is around two to four hours, if that Right. And this includes, you know, art and music and stuff like that. So if you were to even break it down further into math and science and stuff, it's maybe two hours a day. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I think if you took out a lot of the extra stuff that they that put in for a school day, they're not learning for eight hours. And so that with it, then, you know, but J.D. Rockefeller and all of his people figured out, well, people, it only will take them about two years to learn how to read and write and do math for businesses and stuff like that. And so they still wanted all these employees. And so it takes about roughly 12 years and our grade system runs K through 12 and, um, does an eight hour work week. And, um, yeah, they pretty much said, teach them everything, but nothing. And so what has happened is we have created, um, and I'm speaking, speaking in generalizations, we have created a bunch of very smart, stupid people. Literally. Yeah. I mean, how many like homeschool kids do you know that we know that are so smart and cultured and so much more advanced for their age? Yeah. And once again, I like I am not knocking public school because school is school is needed. And I'm not saying, you know, every school wants to indoctrinate kids and all of that stuff. But if you look at the basis foundation of why the, of how the public school system started, it wasn't rooted in, let's make sure everyone knows how to read and write. Let's give them equal opportunity. It wasn't based in that is it's, they wanted employees. They wanted less business owners because they wanted more power because they wanted more power to the government. I'm really starting to sound like a conspiracy theorist. Caleb will love me for this. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the structure, the school structure is basically to um, just teach kids, like, a bunch of stuff that isn't going to help them live their lives and be successful. Right. Um, it's almost like you're just wasting their time. And the that's it's unfortunate because there's a lot of teachers that really care. Absolutely. Uh, but the system itself is just it's not it's not a beneficial way to teach children how Mm-mm. to grow up and be an adult. No. And one thing I will also say, um, I think teachers are superheroes. <laughs> a lot of that because I've seen I, I was I worked in the school system for eight years, you know, and so I saw a lot of what they did. Those people do so much. And the reason why I think specifically our school systems now are starting to crumble is because parents have stopped wanting to parent their children and they have expected school teachers to do the same. Back in the 1800s, it's you went to school, you read, you did reading, 
writing, arithmetic, science, history, done. Now they have to teach kids social, so, uh, social cues. They have to teach behavior. They, you know, now we have to feed every kid lunch and parents want lunches for free. And, um, there's counseling services, which I do believe is an amazing thing because there's some serious trauma that happens to kids, but it's, it's no longer about learning. It's also about, I don't feel like, and once again, I'm speaking in very broad terms because, um, I have great, friends who are an amazing parents, but there are a lot of people who just didn't want to teach their kids. And so they expected that, well, they're at school. They should be learning that at school. And I'm like, not fam, that's your job at home. You should be teaching them how to be a responsible adult. You should be teaching them how to read social cues. You should be teaching your kid how to look people in the eye. You should be teaching kids what is right from wrong. And it's been put on the teachers. And there is so much pressure on these teachers to do everything. And then the teachers have to hit their, um, their standards for testing every year on top of everything and there is only so much that one classroom teacher or even if like they partner up and oftentimes they do there's only so much that they can teach but it has to come back to what is happening in the home right um in california a lot of the school system is packed instead of having you know 15 to 20 kids Mm -hmm. per class they had 40 to 50 and that's insane for one person. No, I couldn't. I and couldn't do that. that's just not how it goes. Like 40 to 50 in the prison system, you know, or anything like that usually takes two people, mm-hmm. right? Or three people, yep. depending on what's going on. Right. I'm not comparing prisoner, like I'm not comparing inmates to kids. But no. what I am saying is that where is the, the neutrality? Like, you're seeing all these videos nowadays where these kids are pepper spraying a teacher. I saw that. I was shocked. Yep. It's like, I my don't know. mama would have whooped and me so hard. <laughs> right. I would not be here. There would not be a Gislina. No, like, I don't understand where these parents are just giving these kids a free for all, but expect the teachers, the principal, the school system to do something. Yeah. That's not who they are right, there for. Right. And God yeah. bless the public school system oh, for man. what they're trying to do because yeah. these teachers literally come out of pocket. Yep. And um and I I was I'm super lucky that I worked in a really good district where I was surrounded by coworkers who really cared for kids, really cared for their education. But once again, you know, how the system is set up, it doesn't necessarily provide the best case scenario for all kids. Some kids thrive in it and it's beautiful. Other times, no. So anyways, back to the survey. And then it asked what what I believe the role of a school library is in the secondary setting. So middle school on up. And I said to provide supplementary information and resources for students to further their learning of content standards or subjects. The other option was to provide students with extracurricular information on a variety of topics, including controversial topics. I once again, don't think that needs to be any school library, public library, go for it. School library. No. Then it asked um, if I believe that prohibiting certain books in the school library is the same as book banning. No, no, it is not the same. 
And then it goes into a long kind of read on pornography, which I'm going to read out loud. It says, um, and this is once again in the survey, it says in 2014, the first ever brain study on the internet, um, the first ever brain study on internet porn users, which was conducted at the Max Planck Institute for Human Development in Berlin. Researchers found that the hours and years of porn use were correlated to decreased gray matter in regions of the brain associated with reward sensitivity, as well as reduced responsiveness to erotic still photos. Less gray matter means less dopamine and fewer dopamine receptors. The the lead researcher, Simone Kuhn, hypothesized the regular consumption of pornography more or less wears out your reward system. Another recent study from the University of Cambridge found that those who have a compulsive sexual behavior exhibit behavioral addiction that is comparable to a drug addiction in the limbic, in the limbic brain circuitry after watching porn. I have no idea if I said that word right. There is dissociation between their sexual desires and their response to porn. Users may mistakenly believe that porn makes them the most aroused and is representative of their true sexuality. What? Do you, are you trying to say something? It, it was circuitry. Circuitry. Thank you. Not, I was like, not keytree. <laughs> like curatory. I don't know. I'm just like, I don't know. It's a Pokemon. And then it goes on to say five ways pornography impacts children and teens. It says one, pornography harms a child's precious brain. It actually changes new, new neural pathways Two, pornography harms a child's view of sex. How it is on screen is not how it is in real life. Three, pornography harms a child's view of people. Pixels lead to objectification. Porn diminishes our ability to see a real unrepeatable person. Four, pornography harms a child's quality of life because pornography is super normal. Because pornography is a super normal stimulus, kids can't stop watching. They lose sleep and time. And when it says super normal, it's not meaning that it's it's a really normal thing. It means like super normal. It's above what normal should be. Five, pornography causes children to harm other children. When young kids see pornography, they practice pornography on other children. And then it uh, named resources like um, uh, jamminetwork.com, um, P-Brain Watching, Porn Online Will Wear You Out, Brain Making It Shrivel, something, PubMed, all this stuff. And then um, it goes on and it's saying that there is a book that is on the shelf in the high school library at our school now. What? <laughs> it's all right. Let's talk about, let's go back up to talking about the, the juveniles, like these young kids mm-hmm. being um, subjected to porn at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never watched a porn. A porn. <laughs> a porn. That's also exactly what you need to know. I have never watched a porn. A porn. Um, and it, it's not because I thought it was better than people. It mm-hmm. was to me, I just didn't think that these bimbos, um, I just, I, oh gosh, I'm going to go here. So we, I've never seen the notebook, but I'm sure like thousands of women have. Yes. Don't judge me. Yes. And 
I believe that the notebook gave women an unrealistic. Oh, absolutely. Unrealistic. Um, what do you call it? Standard mm-hmm. of love. Unrealistic expectation. Right. It did give us some really good memes, though. Like, what do you want? And like talking about like a girl <laughs> food. for food. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want? It's not that simple. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, go ahead. Shut your face because I do that. I know you do. <laughs> Whatever you want to eat, that's fine. What about this? No. <laughs> Anyhow, um, like the notebook gave women unrealistic expectations of love. I believe that porn gives men unrealistic expectations on how women should look or how it's going to be in the bedroom. And women. It, well, that too. One, one third of porn addicts are women. So... When we see these kids being exposed to this at such a young age, it's like, well, what do you expect? And like the average age now for children to be exposed to porn is seven. I thought it was eight. Seven. That's disgusting. It's getting lower and lower and lower. Yesterday, so Kitri, Ashley, and I have been joking about starting like our own little compound, you know, yeah. <laughs> we want to buy some land and just like go on homestead and just off the grid off the grid and it's pretty funny because ashley was like well you know jesina's a nurse and she can teach the kids different languages kitri can you know teach them how to be graceful and i can teach everybody how to bake bread and you know mm-hmm. chickens and stuff right yep. And yesterday, Kitri and I were yelling at each we're going to do it. We're just going to do it right now. Mm-hmm. We're just going to, you know, yep. sell our stuff. And the more I see it, the more I've read this survey again this morning. Yep. The more I'm losing hope for, <laughs> yep. I'm losing hope for humanity in a way because it's like, what are we doing? Yep. This is what we're teaching our kids. This is what we're mm-hmm. allowing. Yep. It's not the same as book banding. No, it's not. Um, here's some just stats. In, tw- in 2006, estimated revenues for sex-related entertainment businesses were just under $13 billion. And that was in 2006. Um, I, they're, they're projecting that by the year 2025, that the virtual reality porn business will be a $1 billion business. $1 billion by the year 2025. This is um, virtual reality porn virtual reality um and porn the porn industry um brings in more than the nfl mlb and um what's the other one nhl combined and nba uh no national hockey league oh really okay yep um maybe it is the nba and then also um more people watch um minutes of porn per day than netflix and prime and hulu combined more people watch porn on Sunday than any other day of the week. And most of them are, um, oh, that's interesting. Sorry. Um, 88% of scenes in porn films contain acts of physical aggression and 49% of scenes contain verbal aggression. 79% of porn performers have used marijuana and 50% have used ecstasy. One in five mobile searches are for pornography. And this, these are just for, these are just stats that you can just easily look up. Um, but it actually completely alters the f- the shape of 
of the brain. And it's a very real thing. Um, and like, I'll just be very vulnerable. I struggled with it. Um, in my past, I was, I was exposed to it when I was 15. Um, and so when you're that young and you're exposed to something that you were not expecting to be exposed to, it sparks an interest in you that shouldn't be sparked yet. And so, um, what it does is, yeah, exactly what, um, exactly what that thing, uh, what the survey said that it actually alters the brain. And so it sparks an interest and a curiosity about something that your the brain is not mature or developed enough in order to take. And so what that does is you're, because you're curious, you look it up, you and you know, and so then it just kind of creates this, um, unhealthy curiosity and it, and it embeds addiction into young kids that don't know what addiction is. And, you know, so when I was exposed to it when I was younger, I didn't know what sex was. I didn't know any of that. And so it was, um, it was something that out of curiosity stemmed an issue for me later on down the road. Yeah. I mean, it, it basically affects your, your brain so much that, uh, it doesn't develop correctly. Mm -mm. Um, I mean, I think the brain continues developing until you're about 26 yeah, 25. 25. Yeah. Uh, so basically, if you, I mean, even if you're in your middle teens, like it's still going to affect a person mm-hmm. um, a great deal. Mm-hmm. So, like, basically, it, it makes it so when you grow up and, you know, you start being an adult, um, y- you're not able to live in society and function the way that you, should yeah basically because your your mind is so messed up yeah um yeah and it causes all sorts of problems i mean later on in life like it relation relationship issues and and uh just i don't know yeah a lot of a lot of different things yeah and um it's it's like one of those um We have to like hold space for it because like, like what the, the stats just, just said, it is equivalent to a drug addiction because it, 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 it overstimulates the, um, uh, the reward system in the brain. And so once again, just like drugs, your body gets used to it. And so you need more and you need more and you need more. Absolutely. Yep. As a heroin addict that. Wait, hold on. A let previous me, heroin. <laughs> let addict. me reframe that. As a former heroin addict, this is so true. Yep. At first, it was, you know, a smidge. Yep. And then it was no longer that. Yep. It had to be more. Yep. And then it became more. Yep. And it went down. I really spiraled to it was four to six grams a day or nothing. Yeah. And. Four to six grams is a lot. Is a lot. It's a lot. And that could kill someone. Yeah. But it was an itch. And there's times where I'm not going to lie. I still battle with like, man, today seems like a good day. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's when I reach out. And I feel like, and this is just me. Mm-hmm. I feel like people kind of taboo 
having that addiction to porn. Mm -hmm. It's shameful. It's let's not talk about it. I believe that our church is one of the only churches that I have seen that actually talk about this. Like, let's break this now. Well, and it's, um, I lost my thought. (laughs) I actually lost my thought. That's really weird. Huh. Okay. Oh, I I found it. My thought came back to me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, We have to look at all addiction is it is the fruit, not the root. It is a symptom of a underlying issue that was never resolved. And so when you have an alcoholic, they usually drink because they're trying to numb something. If you have a drug addict, it's similar thing or porn addict or, um, you know, um, I know some people who are porn addicts because they were molested as a child. And so they they view pornography as a way to numb it, but it, the their trauma is what triggered it. And so it is a constant medication for something. And so then I'm like, that's why I'm like, therapy. Right. And it's really sad to see that this is being shoved down kids' throats nowadays. Mm-hmm. We just see it. And it's like no one's really doing anything about it because once you start saying something about it, you're either too conservative, you're too uptight, you're too prude, you know, go ahead. Or like, oh, don't don't talk about that. We can't talk about that. That's inappropriate. But mm-hmm. it somehow is appropriate when you're teaching it to children. Yeah, you can't talk about it as adults and, and talk. You know, mm-hmm. be like, hey, this isn't right. It's exactly, just, it's just wrong. Well, and it's it's pushed in movies now. I mean, I, I watched a, a movie called like The Holiday or something. Or no, it wasn't The Holiday. It was something on Netflix, and um, it was you know a, a funny movie or whatever. And she was like, "Oh, what kind of porn do you watch?" And it was just it was integrated into the movie as like humor. But um, I wanted to read these stats, and this is porn in church. This, these are stats for porn in church. It says one in five youth pastors, and one in seven. Senior pastors use porn on a regular basis and are currently struggling. That is more than 50,000 U.S. church leaders. 43% of senior pastors and youth pastors say they have struggled with pornography in the past. 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say they watch porn at least once a month. And only 7% of pastors report their church has a ministry program for those struggling with porn. Yeah, and I, I, I even think those are kind of conservative estimates because I've mm-hmm. I've heard some more numbers and seen some more that are even higher. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think like over 70% of like Christian men mm-hmm. um, regularly watch porn, mm-hmm. I think is one of the stats. Yep. And it's, it's really not talked about in the church and it should be more because I think it is one of the biggest strongholds on Christian men specifically because the stats are much higher, but also on women too. And it, and it is like one of one of those stereotypes that, oh, it's just a man thing, but it's not like, for example, you might not be looking up Pornhub for women. Women might not be doing that, but they might be reading and watching 50 shades of gray. It's the same thing. You've never seen it, have you? <laughs> Jessalyn is looking at me like weird. So you know, I'm sorry. You know, like Fifty Shades of Grey was a book trilogy, and essentially it is porn 
in book form. And see, men are visual creatures, so they need to see it. Like, women can be imaginative, and so they don't have to necessarily see it. That's why, like, um, I, I was actually listening to Jackie Hill Perry's podcast with her I husband on her. this, and she said this exact same thing. She was just like, that's why every girl has been dreaming of their wedding since they were nine, and they can picture it in their heads when men need that visual stimulus when women just need it pictured. But women struggle with porn just as as much as as men do. Mm. Just we, reading this again just is like irking my whole like nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, based on the information, do you believe that pornographic images? Or this is ma- the survey. Yes, thanks. <laughs> or images, material that provided a child's exploration of their sexuality through pornography should be available in our schools absolutely not no (laughs) no are are you for real this is what we're trying to this is what people are fighting to keep in the bookshelves in a school in a in a setting where where children children are supposed to be safe they're supposed to see and hear everything that is you know it's supposed to be a safe space, but I'm not trying to use that word because every every liberal yeah. uses that word to, oh my gosh, I'm offended. I need a safe space. A safe space is where you get your education, you get your friends. Where you don't have to worry about having things um, pushed on you. And, that, and this, once again, is not just agenda, but this is just like, you know, you know, no, not bullying, you know, being able to go and feel like you're not going to get shot when you go to school. I mean, all of this stuff. And so back to the book on what, what, what the survey was originally called. Um, it is a book entitled, let's talk about it by Erica Moen and Matthew Nolan. And um, it is a cartoon comic style book categorized as sexual instruction for children. And it is marked for ages 14 to 17. Let's just think about that. Think about when y'all were 14. I was, I mean, 14-year-olds today are not the same 14-year-olds, okay? Like, when I was 14, I was jamming out to Lady Gaga trying to figure out how to put makeup on. And, you know, these girls who are, you know, are not girls, but these teens out here are 14. They are being, like, some of my dancers told me that there are 14-year-olds excuse me, 13-year-olds in middle school already starting to have sex at 13. And and I think people think, well, that's why these why we need to educate kids on sex because they're doing it so younger. And I think it's because we've introduced sex education to them too young. So it sparks that curiosity in them. And I'm when I'm talking about sex education, I'm talking about sex sex i'm not talking about how the reproductive organs work i'm all for that type of sex education here's your human anatomy here is the reproductive organs this is how babies are made that is it but you don't show them how babies are made okay um it goes on to say um even though the comic style format of the book might allure children even younger Um, It says the book includes cartoon drawings and discussion on male, female, transgender anatomies, sexual organs, sexual positions, masturbation techniques, sexting ideas, etc. This is in a book. And I looked up this book. 
Same. And I looked up samples and it didn't, it gave me just samples of the chapter on consent, but it did not give me samples on everything else. But I looked up this book. It says it was published in 2021 and has a whopping 365 reviews on Amazon, indicating that it hasn't been published long or well-reviewed. So it's unclear how well, how it made its way to the shelves of our schools. And so it says the below information shown are excerpts or images from the book. And so I want to read the first excerpt. And once again, it, it gets graphic. And it even says, if you look up the book, it says it's a graphic novel. It says it in parentheses next to the book. Let's talk about it. A graphic novel. But it's a comic book for kids, but it's, it's also in parentheses, a graphic novel. Um, when I was reading through this, I got sick to my stomach and I wanted to cry. I was reading this. I sent it to my boss and I started shaking. I was, I was like, so upset. Literally everyone that would come and pass my desk. Are you okay? I'm fine. Just give me a minute. And I'm usually like the most like, you know, hunky cheery one. And everyone's like, dude, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. I'm like, just give me a minute. Let me, let me like hit pause on this combo. Yep. So it says, this is an excerpt from the book. A great place to research fantasies and kinks safely is on the internet. There are tons of people and communities out there who share your interests and have all kinds of advice. That sentence alone terrifies me. Can you repeat that again? It says, a great place to research fantasies and kinks safely is on the internet. Absolutely not. And then it says, there are tons of people and communities out there who share your interests and have all kinds of advice. <sighs> okay. Yes, this is a Christian podcast. So I'm going to say some stuff that's probably going to get me yelled at, whatever. We're not yelling at you to tell you to like, you know, blasphemy if you have sex right now. You know, wait <laughs> it's we encourage you to wait it's biblical yes it literally says keep the marriage bed pure and it is the only sin that um it, it is that you commit against your own body absolutely um will you look up those the addresses to those yes, verses of course. please Give me a second. Uh, so those were just the two first sentences then it goes on to say the online world is also chock-a-block full of pornography Professional and amateurs alike sharing their sexy adventures online. When consumed right, porn can help you discover new aspects of your sexuality and help you safely explore kinks and fantasies. That's a part of the book. And it asked if I agreed with that statement. And I obviously said no. no. Um, so it is, it is encouraging 14 to 17-year-olds to go onto the internet, find communities with kinks like theirs and consume porn. It is, it is telling and teaching kids to consume porn. Yeah. I mean, this is plain and simple. It's the devil. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is no person in their right mind that would condone this type of thing. No, I wouldn't even give that advice to an adult. No. The last thing I would tell a grown adult with a fully developed brain is do not go and look up porn. It will alter your brain. 
Um, it will alter how you view the other sex or whatever. It, it, it puts a damper on your relationships. I, I'm not sure if this stat is correct. I am not sure if this stat is correct. So um, I need to look it up. But from what I remember, it says if, if there is a person in a relationship specifically marriage that consumes porn on a regular basis, it ups the divorce percentage rate by 300% in that relationship. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, like this type of stuff too, it just, it goes way beyond porn. Like oh, this absolutely. Is, this is like, you know, it's like, uh, a slow. She's proud of you. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. what she's saying. <laughs> It's like, uh, you know, the devil takes a little bit and a little bit at a time. And yep. over time, this has just been building up and building up and building up because we have weak leaders, weak spiritual leaders. You need, pastors need to, they, they should have been talking about this, you know, 20, 30 years ago before yep. it really, before it really got going, like, you know, as bad as it is now. And that's the problem. I mean, you let, you let stuff go and it's just going to get worse and worse if you don't speak up and tell people what the truth is. Yeah. And so they can guard against it. Yeah. Go on, preacher man. Absolutely. Well, and I think where we really saw the big sexual shift was in the 60s with the sexual revolution that came up. You know, everyone had wanted to start taking drugs and wanted to be able to sleep with whoever. And so it just kind of... But what else happened in the 60s? Mom? Jesus revolution. Like you know, the Jesus revolution. Oh yeah. So I found the address for you. Thank you. Of course. It is Hebrews 13, four. Um, I'm a new King James kind of person. Go for it. Um, it says marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled by fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. Mm -hmm. Listen, if you're out there doing the deed, just repent and, and outside of marriage. Right. <laughs> Just <laughs> repent and sin no more. Oh man. I think I've said that a couple of times to people sin no more. Yeah. Um, well, it creates soul ties. It is not a physical act. It is a spiritual act. Absolutely. So what once again, the soul is the mind, the will and the emotions. And when it, when it says that, um, man and woman shall become one flesh. That is a, number one, a metaphor of God and the church coming together intimately and binding together forever. But when it literally means one flesh, it is literally the flesh mingling or it says bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, because Eve was taken from Adam's rib. And so what that is doing is that is pulling them back together and binding them, braiding them together spiritually, emotionally, and physically together. And so when you do that with anyone who is not your spouse, it creates extreme spiritual warfare and bondage. Once again, I've said this in the previous podcast before. When men and women have relations without any protection, mm -hmm. Our, the DNA's cross, mm -hmm. and it stays in our system for seven years. Mm -hmm. I hate that idea. But we were saying, what, you, we were saying, for it's You know, um, I just really think that marriage is where it's at. Speaking of, you know, like, we waited, mm -hmm. you know, and kudos to those that wait, and kudos to those that don't wait. It is what yeah. it is, you know, and, like, 
once again, if you're a believer, you already became a new, you are a new wineskin. You are a new creature. Yep. But when these things are consistently shoved down our children's throats, it gives everybody the free for all to go out there and have multiple partners or not just children, just everyone in general. Yeah. I worked for a clinic that is very controversial. Mm-hmm. This was before I came to Christ, mm-hmm. like fully surrendered because I knew of God. I didn't know who Jesus is. Yep. And the STI and STD rate, the AIDS rate when I worked there seven years ago mm-hmm. was disgusting. Mm-hmm. There was new forms of AIDS. There was new forms of everything going on and people are still out there like, oh, it's, it's fine. And there is an actual passage in that thing where it states, if you have an STI, it's no biggie. Yeah. It is a biggie. It is a biggie. It is a biggie because it's literally a disease that we're like passing around, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But, um, then going back to the, the next part in the book, um, that, This is, once again, this is an excerpt from the book. It says, but depending on your age and where you found it, porn can also be unethical or illegal to watch. So do your research. Look up interviews with your favorite porn performers. Go to the sites they recommend and pay for your porn. (laughs) We're also sitting here just like, what? Once again, I am reminding you, this is a book labeled for 14 to 17 year olds. Encouraging them to look up their favorite porn stars and pay for porn. Do you know that porn is the biggest business for human trafficking? Say that again. Porn is the biggest business for human trafficking. A lot of the like teen stuff that happens on porn, um, those are most likely, they are most likely girls that have been human trafficked and sold into human trafficking. The average porn star has a lifespan of 50 years old. It is less than a, a person who is an NFL star because of what it does to their body. And they usually, um, because of their line of work, they and because of they are making soul tie after soul tie after soul tie, their spirit is so bound and their soul is so bound that they turn to drug and alcohol abuse. I was not old enough to vote when this law came to California. It was a porn... It was made by porn stars. They, and I'm I'm looking over here because my head is just like, how can this even be a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, it was made by porn stars that they ref- were refusing to get tested mm-hmm. because gay porn without any protection is the highest selling porn. Ooh, I did not know that. And my heart is for the women. We all know this. Yep. And I have interviewed and I have sat down with plenty of people that have been trafficked and their videos are illegally on. Uploaded, yep. Yes, on all these sites. And now they're they're fighting for their lives, for their reps to get their videos off of Pornhub, yep. off of like triple X, whatever. 
right? And what saddens me is the fact that people still log on. I, I kind of want to say something, but I don't know if I can say this. You can say it. Every time you or whoever you know watches a porn, you're watching someone's daughter. Mm-hmm. You're watching someone's son. Yep. That is somebody, somebody. Mm-hmm. And you're taking pleasure watching someone do something with someone else that is not their wife, that is not their husband. Yep. Wrong. Yep. And the thing is, is they're acting. They are, they are paid actors. And a lot of the times I, I've, I read when I was doing research is that um, the women are in pain. They're in physical pain, but because they are, they are actors, um, they, they do a good job acting. Um, and then it goes on in the book to say um, where you were talking about the STIs. It says, turns out the majority of STIs, sexually transmitted infections, are treatable and, if caught early, no biggie. There are some that are untreatable, like HPV and herpes, both of which the majority of people have, even though they are symptomless. But even those aren't worth fretting over. Beyond keeping some good practices, STIs aren't as big of a deal as a lot of people make them out to be. Okay, here we go. Here's my $40,000 education. Chlamydia mm-hmm. is undetectable in women. Any STI or STD, once it is caught, found in either male or female, it automatically goes to the CDC. You are now a registered number, a number. Mm-hmm. And that number gets passed on, even if it does not have your name, it will have a number. And it will go to every clinic in your tri-county area. Mm. Now, granted, I'm from California. So, of course, ours were huge. Right. You know, one county has triple the population of good Wyoming. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. And the average of people that get these STIs and STDs are ranging from 13. Oh my gosh. To 21. So young. The average pregnancy that I recorded was 13. It's getting emotional in here. I'm crying because I'm pissed. I know. I'm not not crying and I'm not shaking because it's, it's, you know, I'm a a radical Christian or believer. This is at this point, this is human rights Mm -hmm. that are being violated. Let's call the spade, the spade. Um, The youngest recorded pregnancy I ever had to record and sat there pulling out a chart to tell this young girl you are nine weeks pregnant. You no longer qualify to have an abortion that is unsurgical. These young girls are dating men. They aren't men. 
by they age aren't. standard. They aren't men. And these dudes, these want to Predators. be disgusting pieces of human flesh. Are bringing these girls to these clinics. And some of them are shot out clinics. Thank God I didn't work for any of them, but I knew about them. What, what are those? Abortion clinics. Okay. Yeah. And they would stand outside while these poor girls that got themselves in this situation would go and get a surgical abortion. And they were how old? The youngest one that I had to record for the county that I worked in. Mm-hmm. She was 12. Oh my gosh. See, this is also why abortion needs to be banned. Absolutely. Because these men, these predators, are taking 12-year-olds who they are grooming and, and raping and molesting to abortion clinics to get rid of the evidence. And I am not, when I say abortion, I am talking about ending a viable pregnancy I am not talking about women who have ectopic pregnancies. I am not talking about women who have had to have DNCs because of miscarriages. I am not talking about that type of trauma. And I can feel like my heart is shattering. Just say Um, (laughs) Because I had a miscarriage and it was extremely traumatic where I had to have a DNC. And somebody told me, when the whole Roe v. Wade thing happened, somebody told me, well, you had an abortion. They literally told me that's an abortion. And I said, no, 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 no. My child was had already passed, and my body would not let go of it, and I was bleeding to death. So you want to tell me that I had an abortion to to fit into your six standards. And I'm sorry, I know this is like, I'm trying to be Christian, but like how could you look at a woman who is already going through trauma and giving her more trauma? And that's another argument. They're like, oh, well, it's already trauma. Why add trauma to trauma? And they're like, well, there are women who need to have these DNCs and these ectopic pregnancy surgeries and they can't get them. And, and that might be true. And if so, that doctor should have his license revoked if he's going to let a woman die because of an ectopic pregnancy or a DNC because of a miscarriage. And they just won't do surgeries because of that. You know, that, I believe that is a completely different scenario. Yes. That is a complete, this is not what we're talking about. When we are talking about abortion, we are talking about using it as birth control. Let's actually get into this. Oh, man. We just open a can of worms. <laughs> these these predators are taking young girls to abortion clinics to get rid of the evidence. And because abortion has been legalized for 70 years, how many young girls have been raped and molested and no one knows about it because of the abortion clinics that they were taken to? A lot. My average was... And yes, I said that the youngest average that I recorded it for pregnancy was 13. Mm-hmm. The youngest average was 12. And I was actually covering a shift that day. And I got asked, can you go down to the abortion clinic? And everything in me was just 
<sighs> it pained me. And I, it kills women. It does. I physically and not not necessarily physically but emotionally mentally and mentally and spiritually and if you're a woman who's listening right now who has had one it's there no is, condemnation there is redemption right and his name is jesus um it was the last year i was working there mm-hmm. and a young girl walked in this really shady dude paid the 985 dollars cash and we had to set up the room and I remember it like it was yesterday I could still smell everything the sterilization the coldness putting on her gown right there and on the on the table and telling her it's okay because she didn't speak English two weeks later the sheriff is there looking for me This girl had been gang raped. (gasps) And the person that brought her in was the leader of this neighborhood, of this gang. And she had died because she hemorrhaged out. I testified because I was there and under HIPAA law was everything that had to, it was everything that saved me because I couldn't speak on anything, Mm. but I had to testify to say, yes, she was there Mm -hmm. because there was video of her being there. Yep. Yes. He was there because there was video of him walking her in there. Yep. And they're now, they're, they're trying to push abortion that were, it says on demand without apology. And ultimately what, what they don't tell women is the emptiness that they feel afterwards and the guilt and the shame they will feel afterwards. I have, I have read testimonies of women who thought that, it was fine and that it was just, you know, it's just a clump of cells. And then they, they are sent into a spiral of depression afterwards because of it. And they're like, no one told me this. They're like, this is something that nobody talks about. And of course there are exceptions to the rule where there are some women who can walk into an abortion clinic, get an abortion and not feel anything. But I think that is a very rare case. So in abortion clinics, even at the clinic that I worked at, I, I will not say their name because I don't want to get copy. Right. You know, right, right. Um, on purpose, whether you want the kid or not, they will not. Um, so when you're getting the sonogram, mm-hmm. they will not let you hear the heartbeat. Cause they don't want to humanize the baby at all. And there was a girl that was there that wanted a baby. She wanted her baby. Right. So I had let her know. I'm like, oh, this is where you're at. And she, I was like, I went to say something. And she's like, don't tell me that. Mm. I'm going to keep this kid. I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah. It was like a relief. Yeah. And then the MP, because I had to be there because this MP was a male. Um, 
was like, oh, you know, we have different options. We can go ahead and, and give you the abortion pill. We can do this and this and that. And she's like, no, I want to keep my kid. And he's like, then this is probably not the place for you. Yeah, because they're trained to push. Right. Because they want the money. So I'm going to put it out there. These, This clinic that everyone is fighting for, they don't care. No. They don't care about your feelings. They don't care about anything. Most women that commit suicide... It's okay. Have often done an abortion. Mm -hmm. And I learned this in my psych class. And I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, my psych professor was a conservative. He was somebody that was very, you know, um, he was a, a... a huge, huge person on life is life. Mm -hmm. You know, you cannot tell me that just because it is a clump of cells, that it's not living, breathing within you. It's, it's living, it's being created. I know this is a hard conversation, you know, um, It's it's no it, it it's no uh vulnerability check right now. It's it's no you. uh you know it's no uh secret. I've spoken about my infertility struggles, mm-hmm. our infertility struggles, you know, mm-hmm. and we had one because mm-hmm. it was a topic. Mm-hmm. These I I remember calling you and yep. what happened. Yeah, we were so happy. We had yep. plans. And then I remember calling you. Mm. There's no heartbeat. There's nothing. Yeah. It's like some of the worst words you can hear. <laughs> and as hard as it was, you know. It's okay. <laughs> I carry that shame and that guilt, you know, because even though it saved my life, even though it saved your life, because Mm -hmm. you were hemorrhaging, you know, we get criminalized. We get told you had one. But our kids were already, they had already gone to heaven. Mm-hmm. They had already, there was no pulse. Mm-hmm. They were in the arms of the Lord. Exactly. And so when people sit there and try to criminalize and try to shame it, it's like, do you realize how hard it was for us? I don't know if they're, if they're necessarily trying to criminalize it necessarily, but it's definitely a... um well, this is why we need abortion because you wouldn't have been able to have that. And, um, it's, I think it's a, it's a scare tactic. It's a fear tactic, but, um, 
Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Um, it says that, um, you know, we, all, we always argue that um, life begins at conception, right? Um, and Jesus often says that um, he is the light. And um, I, I beg to differ that um, life starts at light. And so if you go back to creation, when he, um, when God created the heavens and the earth, um, he said, let there be light. And when the sperm meets the egg and the sperm goes into the egg, there is a flash of light, which indicates, um, which indicates life. And so that light that was spoken into existence in Genesis 1 and that Christ is the light and we are supposed to be the light and life happens, it, it literally, there is an explosion of light when the sperm cell hits the egg and they come together and that egg is fertilized. It is a flash of light indicating life. like we've gone down all our rabbit holes as per usual <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> but it says that he creates our innermost being mm. and he knits us together in our mother's womb and it and it said it, it he says i knew you before you were even created our pa- pastor danny um, went hard last Sunday. The devil is after the seed. Yep. And what saddens me the most is that people are fighting for this book, for, you know, the indoctrination, because that's exactly what it is. That's called the spade, the spade. It, yeah. he, you know, the devil is trying so hard to, you know, steal the seed. He, that's what he's been after since the beginning of time. He killed Adam. Mm-hmm. Now what? And he knew that through Eve, the bloodline of Jesus was going to come. And so he, he has constantly attacked the seed. And I just want to make a, a couple more biblical points for the abortion, and then we'll move back to the book. But Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I, before you were born, I set you apart. And so God had a plan for you before you were even thought of, before um, before anything else. And then if we look at the Gospels and we look at Luke, when Mary goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, who at this point was about five months pregnant, when Mary called out to Elizabeth, it said that Elizabeth's baby in her, um, in her jumped and leapt for joy in her womb. And she said, blessed are you among women that you know, who, who, who am I that the mother of my Lord would come to me? And she told her that her child leapt for joy in the womb and baby in the Greek and in the Aramaic 
when she is pregnant is the same word for baby when it the Bible talks about a baby that is outside the womb. It is the same word. And if 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 it was a clump of cells, how could a child leap for joy? If it was just a clump of cells, why would God say that he, he knew us before we were even formed? It is because every single child that is conceived, whether if it, whether it makes its way to earth or not, has been formed by the hands of God and created and had a purpose by God, which means that they are valuable and special to him. Amen. <laughs> um, it's kind of weird when we actually look at everything you know we I believe like you and I always say like man if these aren't the end times and people aren't seeing it then what is it gonna take what is it gonna is it gonna take more books like this is it going to take I don't know and oh, go oh, ahead oh, Josh oh, oh. I mean, I, I can tell you what it'll take. It'll take people being to a point so desperate that they don't want to live anymore because they're so there's so much desperation and yep. and despair. Mm-hmm. Um, that unfortunately, that's what it's going to take. I mean, that's that's where we're at. I think. Yeah. Um. And uh, going back to the original topic, I guess the this book, it's just one of the things that's going on in our society that is basically, it's just causing confusion. Absolutely. And God is not the author of confusion, the devil is. Absolutely. So all of this that's occurring, uh, drag queen story hour, uh, you know, these people taking their children to these drag shows where these men are dressing as women and I don't even want to say what they what they say to these kids they're even like babies mm-hmm. they take the, it's like normalize these things that are of the devil yeah um and everyone's and it it's just desensitizing kids yeah so they get used to it yeah and I want to point out that um these people are 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 spiritually dead right and i and i'm not meaning that in a in a hateful way but they literally don't know any better because they haven't seen the light and so they are literally where, where the bible talks about they are walking around in darkness and they don't know where to go and they're they're running into walls and they're running into doors and they are causing this confusion because the people who are doing this they they don't know any better and what breaks my heart is that they don't know any better and that this path is is leading them down a path of of death and despair and destruction and i don't want that for anyone because we know we know what eternity will look like for those who reject christ and 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 go with the world we know what that eternity looks like where the fire is never quenched and the worm never stops eating it is it, it is eternal torture and these people don't know any better, but it's very easy for um, for people who you know who disagree with that side. I mean, we obviously disagree with that, and and we disagree with what they're pushing. I, it for me, it is very easy to not see them as human, 
And that is where I have to stop myself and I have to be like, this person is still made in the image of God. This person still was a person that the Lord saw when he hung on that cross and that he still wants their life and their salvation if they should, should, should so choose it. And this is not me trying to, um, uh, what, what am I trying to say? It's, it's not me trying to lessen what is happening, but sometimes I can get so focused on the evil of what is happening that I forget that it is still a person that God created. And once again, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Um, but it's, what, what it is, it is 100% Satan trying to confuse our identity because if we know our identity in Christ, we see through his lies and his confusion. And so, of course, he's going to attack not only the seed, but the identity. Who am I? What am I? What gender am I? I don't know. I feel like this. I don't know this. And so it bases everything on feelings, which are fleeting, and it does not base it in truth. It bases it on how do I feel right now? But what is very, very sad is these people who are specifically going into the transgender um, surgeries and the hormone blockers is they are making a permanent decision based on a temporary feeling. And it is something that is going to forever alter their life on earth. If they find Christ, their soul is redeemed and beautiful and we will rejoice with them in heaven. Cause I, I know a lot of trans I've, I've been reading a lot about transgender, um, testimonies of them coming to Christ and they, they have reverted back to the gender they originally were born in because God does not make mistakes. Um, he does not make mistakes at all. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but they, they, they said that they have to live with, with what happened and that, you know, what it was pushed on them. And there is a reason why God made it male and female. And it is not up to us to have an opinion on that. We don't get to become little G gods and determine what we want, what sex we are, what body we are, the, the person we love. And I know there are people who legitimately struggle with, the hom- with homosexuality, that struggle with sexual impurity, that struggle with the transgender issue, that struggle with the, the finding their identity. But, it, but God says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is... It's not, I am the, the way your truth and your life and your life. And we have to remember that we don't get to have an opinion on what he says that goes. A lot of people are identifying as, I don't even know. I'm not going to, I can't. Furries? Are you, is that what you're no, talking about? No, something. These are oh the um, yeah non non-binary where like the pro it's it's gender fluid pronouns. I think. Listen, I know. I always say my pronouns are try, try me. me and find out. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a dork. Because <laughs> I mean, I'm just here like. Please, please just try me today. Let's just, just do it. Um, but if you're born a man and that's what the doctor sees. Yeah. 
Well, where they say they're they're saying that it is separate from biological sex. That gender is a fluid ideology. Um, fluid, but, they don't. Sorry, my Spanish no, is coming out. Yeah. Yeah. But nowhere. if if gender is fluid, then race should be also. Okay, so I'm no longer a Latina. That's half Hawaiian. I am now. I don't want to say this in front of two white people. <laughs> you you are am, now white. I am now Becky that has blonde hair and is whiter than my beautiful Anglo-Saxon husband. Yes, that is that's who I am. I identify as Becky Swanson. I'm sorry if there's a Becky Swanson out there. <laughs> I have a credit score of like 8,000, you know, and I live in the burbs. I mean, we, Josh we, just, is we can just white. say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. We, we can just we can just say what, what this is really is, is these people have a mental illness, um, which. Yeah, they do. Um, and, you know, it's caused by the devil and his confusion. And what we need to be doing is helping these people to realize, you know, the the things that they're hearing and the things they're being told are not right and you know they're they're just going to end up hurting them more yeah than helping them and uh you know leading them and loving them as christ so yeah that's that's what we need to do absolutely and you know that that was where i was gonna go is you know we're we're clearly passionate about this and we clearly don't um agree with it but and I, 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 some people are probably going to listen to this. Oh, they're just making fun and they're just trying to make satire. That's not what we're doing. What it, what, what, what I'm trying to do is we're actually trying to tell the truth and it, it, maybe it's, it's not loving at times. And I'm sorry for that if it's not, but I think it is more unloving to not tell somebody the reality and the truth of what is happening to them. And yes, they, they do need help. And I think it is more unloving and more um, disgusting of people to to affirm and to push it on them because it is going to end up hurting them. It is irreversible. You cannot change it once you do, and it and it shows that um, you know because a lot of people will say that oh well this is a um, uh, they'll kill themselves. This will be the, the suicide rates. There, there are studies that have shown that it does nothing to the suicide rate and that they still, like year seven after their stur- surgery, they still commit suicide because of this. And it's all because sex is being pushed too early on kids and like, what if you're like, what if you're a girl who likes to play with trucks? You're, you're automatically a boy, but it's like, but wait, I thought that girls can play with trucks and still be girls. I love cars. Yeah. I love working on cars. I love old school low riders. Like, you know, yeah. the loans of the hydraulics that have the beautiful artwork I love that stuff. I used to go to old school car shows all the time in Cali. All the time. Does that make me a boy? No. I went to the United States Marine Corps. And I'm a really good shot. Does that make me a boy? Well, they want to get away from these gender 
um, these gender norms, but it's it feels like it it wraps it back into the gender norms. Yeah, I I, I couldn't care less about cars, and I wasn't in the military. Does that mean I'm a girl? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so going back to this book, because we've definitely gone down a couple of rabbit holes. Um, this is an excerpt from the book. Once again, 14 to 17-year-old kids. It says, <sighs> this is very graphic, so Take prepare a deep yourself. Breath, Take a deep breath. Try a sex toy for bonus fun. Vibes and strokers are awesome. And don't forget, everybody's got a butt. Dive deeper with your finger or a butt plug. <laughs> Josh is gagging. <laughs> it says... Just make sure any objects you put up there have a flared base. Otherwise, oh, I can't. I can't. Where are you? It says, otherwise, your hungry hiney can gobble it up. And the only way to get it back out is a trip to the hospital. This um, is an excerpt from a child's book. Okay. Yes. Yes, it does happen. I've worked ED. My poor husband is like freaking out now. <laughs> he's, he's leaving the he's, room. He's checked out of the building, y'all. Oh, my poor baby. Okay. Yes, this has happened actually. Yeah. I but, have worked the ED where. What is ED? Emergency department. Oh, okay. I was like, what the heck is ED? <laughs> and uh, there has been times where people have gone to the hospital with a shampoo bottle up their butt. Okay. All right. I don't know if we need to go there. But they were adults. Yep. It, it, it's literally encouraging anal sex to young children. And I'm sorry, if you're 14, you are a child. You are a baby. If you're 17, you are still a child. It, I thought I was grown when I was 17. Girl, I was not grown when I was 17. And 17 is when I lost my virginity. At 17, I was knee-deep in my addiction. Yep. And I was trying to sober up so I can join the Marine Corps. And I I was rolling in money at 17. I thought I was grown. Yep. And every 17-year-old that I knew that was a girl had kids. My brothers yep. all had kids by the time yep. that they were 17 all for one. I wish I could go back to my 17-year-old self and say, don't do it. That's the one thing I hear a lot of girls tell me when I have counseled them. I wish I would have waited. I wish I would have waited. And that breaks my heart. Because there's books out here like this disgusting crud. <laughs> that prom huh it's satanic there it, 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 it's demonic 100 percent. that's promoting this yep what in the world what is going on here if if i would have known the the kind of pain that would come from just um being sexually active at a young age. 
I didn't know about soul ties. Um, you know, it was, and it was also a, a thing where if you were a virgin leaving high school, you were lame, you were stupid, you were, you know, you were an outcast, all of this stuff. It was a, it was a really big thing. Now, um, I don't know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily being pushed, but that was something that, that I felt, um, in high school. And like I said, it, it created nearly 10 years of a vicious cycle where not only was, was I young and making stupid decisions sexually, but I was getting into abusive relationships and the, the man that I was dating at the time that I lost my virginity to, um, he has since passed on. Um, he died in a car accident. They believe alcohol was involved, but, um, he was, he was an alcoholic. He had, he had problems with alcohol. Um, he cheated on me constantly. He manipulated me constantly. He made me seem like I was crazy when I would call him out on like the cheating stuff. Um, and I was 17 and he was 21 and that's not a huge age gap, for, you know, like if you look about 18, 19, 20, 20, that's four years. But when you are under age and when you are under, I think the age of 20, that's, it's too large of an age gap because the brain on both sides have not developed enough. And when you're, when you're 17 and you're dating a 21 year old at the time, you feel like, oh, well I'm dating somebody who's 21, all of this stuff. I was also into the party scene. I was drinking heavily. I was dabbling in marijuana, stuff like that. Um, but, um, like that is like the one thing that I, I just keep thinking back to. And I'm just like, I just wish I could say don't because now, I mean, and, and luckily the Lord has, um, redeemed my story. Um, but I still like, I'm trying not to cry. She's gonna cry. Like, yeah. Yeah. Thankfully. Um, like I, I wish on my wedding night I could <laughs> don't I don't want to cry. I wish I could give like my full body to my husband. And that and and like I know I'm a new creation in Christ. I get that. But it's it's that feeling that like I wish I would have done that. And I also wish that I would have just not been 17 and not listen to people and been not hanging out with the wrong crowd and not like kind of dove into that because it, 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 it created a series of like abusive relationships. And, um, and I have to take accountability for that. If you are constantly dating abusers, the problem, the, the problem is you, you need to take accountability and realize, hey, I'm also an issue here. And so I can't just point the finger at all of my exes and say, well, they were the problem because I was the one who continued to allow it to happen. And so, like, if, if you're a girl, that, uh, I'm sorry, not every guy you date is a narcissist. Number Ooh, one. Say that again. Not everyone you date is a narcissist. Not everyone you date is abusive. Yes, people have abusive tendencies. Everyone has narcissistic tendencies. But when when we say narcissist, we, we're really meaning just selfish people. And you most people are not diagnosed narcissist, which are which is extreme, right? But I had to realize that I was part of the problem. 
And I could not continue to blame people for something else because I ultimately allowed it to happen. Now, I'm not excusing the, the, the emotional and mental and verbal abuse that I went through, but I was the one who continued to, to choose men like that and to choose being in relationships like that. And it was because I was deeply insecure. I was deeply um, afraid of being alone. And I, I wanted the world. I wanted to be able to drink. I wanted to be able to party. I wanted to be able to live life how I wanted with no shame. But shame always came. Everyone pushes, just have sex. It's fine. There, it's, it's natural. But why do you feel gross afterwards when it's not into the confines of God? It is because it is from the devil and you are wrapping yourself into a soul tie with somebody who is not meant for you. And something that is glued together and then ripped up and that is not supposed to separate and then is, and then is pulled apart. You're going to rip apart and damage what was supposed to be whole in the first place. And so, yeah, I am redeemed in Christ and I can sit here and talk about what I, the choices that I did and the things that I did up until I was 26 my my last relationship and I ended over two years ago. So this is not something that is extreme old news. This is this was my life up to two years ago, and I can't even blame him fully for the relationship because I ultimately led him astray. I was a stumbling block to him because I said I'm a Christian. We can live like this, and so I don't. I I understand that he was upset and angry with me towards the end of the relationship because I changed on him because I was feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so I was the one that said, we're not sleeping together anymore. I was the one who moved out. I was the one who did all of that. And so he was getting somebody who he thought was one way, but is now a different way. And I have to take accountability for that. Yeah. He has his own issues. Absolutely, he has his own issues. And we went through a lot of stuff. I mean, I lost a child with that man. But I was ultimately a stumbling block to him and led him astray on what Christianity and Christians actually look like. And I have to take accountability for that. And and because God is so good, I get to step into a relationship that is pure and that is biblical and that I have a, and, and with a man who loves the Lord and is beautiful, but it sucks that I don't get to give my body fully to my husband on my wedding night. And that is a gift that I wish I could give him that I don't. Sorry, that was a long spiel, but it's, <laughs> it's in, yeah. Preach it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um... Hmm. She's crying again. I'm not crying. She's crying. I'm not crying. <laughs> we should have like a like a checkboard. <laughs> How many times? I just need to get like a brand new box of Kleenex every time you come over Shut to record. Shut your face. <laughs> I actually have Kleenex in my car. Yeah. Hear me out. Mm -hmm. I disagree. Okay. <laughs> You're like, of course you do. <laughs> Corinthians, second Corinthians five seventeen says that once we have given ourselves to the, to the Lord, yeah. 
We are no longer of old. We are now a new creation. Yeah. I was molested. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not ready to speak of the. Yeah. What had happened. Because that's yeah. something that I'm still working out with God. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my own. Hey, Jesus, we need to have a little coming to Jesus moment. You and I need to have a little mm-hmm. chit-chat, you know. Um, but that doesn't, it, it, to me, the minute I gave myself to the Lord, yep. even though there was no consensual, yep. I became a new. Mm-hmm. So to me, this is probably me, and I and I and I fully, you know, if somebody wants to tell me I'm wrong, please at me at just roll with it, R O W E, you know, um, and let me know I'm wrong. Yeah. Prove to me where it says in the Bible that, you know, I'm wrong. You know, we were made of dirty, filthy rags, but he has made us anew. He has cleaned us. He has cleaned us. You know, we were once in our transgressions, crimson red, but he's the one that made us white as snow. So to me, when you gave yourself to the Lord, I fully believe that he restored even that. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to cry. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it right now. Don't, I don't want to (laughs) cry. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And, um, the, the thing I'm trying to get across like to people is like, if they only knew the darkness that I felt like it, oh, there's my little baby Ellie. But like oh no the the oh the, no. the darkness that sexual immorality whether it's um whether it's um heterosexual homosexual transgender it's it's still sin and <laughs> she's she's dead. but like i just like to young kids out there if you only know the darkness that will envelop your soul, when you start leading a life like that, like I can only just try to explain it as best as I can, but like it was, it was so dark and it was so engulfing and it literally felt like, think of the darkest night you can possibly think of there's no moon there's no stars just pitch black darkness you can't see the hand in front of your face just extreme darkness now put that darkness and that heaviness because darkness is like that kind of like nighttime is heavy and times that by four at least and then put it on my soul that is that is what this kind of life brings from the world. Did you legit bring a, t- a toilet, a paper toilet roll for us, us crying ladies? You're so sweet. But like the darkness I felt, and especially after my miscarriage, because there was so much guilt and shame because I felt that 
um, my miscarriage was my punishment. Mm. And I, I actually had somebody tell me that. <gasps> oh, that is a lie from the devil. It was a fellow, and I, I understand where her heart was because she was trying to talk to me about not living together and not having sex before marriage. I get that. Um, she also was talking to me two weeks after I lost my child. And we sat down for coffee. And I can't exactly remember the words she said, but she said, um, you know, I had said that I don't believe that God took my, my son from me as punishment. And she said, I disagree. Ultimately, she told me that she believed that my, my miscarriage was a punishment from God because of the way I had been living. And I, and, and she had spoken what I had already been feeling. And so Jess is in a fighting, (laughs) you know, but it's, but like the miscarriage was, was the, the fruit of the root of the problem. And that was, I was deeply insecure. And so I was, I was constantly trying to find my identity and my validation from men. I know. Mm. <laughs> I, I know. It's going to take me a minute to be nice about this. I know. It's going to take that long. Yes. So wait. What about Joshua and I? So every time we've had a miscarriage, it's punishment? Nope. It's see, but the way she explained it to me was it's different when you're married. Sometimes just unfortunate things happen. So it like the, I forgot what book it's in, but the blind man that was born blind. Mm -hmm. So what it's punishment because, you know, I was a drug dealer at one point. I was a gangbanger. I did do what I needed to do. That's my punishment is to no. Yep. I rebuke that in the mighty name of Jesus. And that person, Mm -hmm. if they're still in your life, they need, and I hope that they listen to this. <laughs> You're wrong. And yep. your form of thinking is wrong. Yep. And people, if they weren't strong in the Lord, they probably would have unalived themselves because of disgusting remarks like that. You do not have the right, the even the accolade to sit there and ever tell a woman that has had an abortion or has had a miscarriage because of a medical fact that it is her fault it is punishment or anything like that wrong of you oh my gosh i need to just get a minute and chill because i'm about to like lose my stuff you're good you're good um no i i i know i know that um but you know it's it's just like one of those things where it's just like you know it was always like well what what if i did this differently or what if i did this differently but ultimately um sexual immorality and stuff like that is a sin that you commit against your own body and as the only sin in the bible that you do that where where you, it is actually against your own self okay let's get back to this book thing because <laughs> we, we oh man um <clears throat> Before you start sending your naughty masterpieces around the world. This is from the book. Take some time to get friendly with a photo editing software or apps. Digital photos are permanent and impossible to re 
tracked once they are out there. So keep your features out of out of them, thank you, before you share them. Aka, excuse me? That is child pornography. Oh, I already did this. I was just opening up the refile. This this is grooming. <laughs> this is child pornography before telling children you can take naughty masterpieces. You can take nude photos. Get get some software apps. Get some Photoshop skills, but just keep your face out of it. <laughs> I don't cuss anymore, but what? The, the fluff nuggets. Actual fluff nuggets. <laughs> what the fruit tart? <laughs> what the tart waffle? What the turd? I Son of a motherless goat. Son of a Baptist preacher. What? This is this is demonic. Demonic. I I don't know why, but I actually want to like personally call these authors and just be like, yeah, come to Lander real quick. My, we want to have a little chit chat. My thing is, how many hands did this book have to go through? Not only the people who wrote the book, but then they sent it to a publisher who thought, yeah, this is a great idea to publish the book. And so then it went through more hands of publishers and it doesn't just go through one publisher's hand. It goes through multiple and it went through an editing process and then it was printed and then it went to a factory where it was allowed to be bought. And then it was going through all of this and then it went into the, and then people had to look at the book and buy it. Like how many hands did this book have to go, go through that no one thought this is inappropriate for 14-year-olds? Yeah, I mean, the, I, the, even if there were people that that thought it was inappropriate, uh, people are afraid. Um, they're, they're too afraid of the stand-up for what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they get called homophobic, transphobic, whatever you want to call it, phobic. Unloving. Yeah, and, and, oh, you're an evil person because you're you're not you don't love these, you don't want them to be able to be who they are. And, and like people are afraid to go against that. Yeah. And then you also have the people who are all for it. And then there's a lot of people that have power and money and they push these things and they control a lot of this stuff. They just, Oh, if you have a problem, here's some money Uh, or, Oh, I have all this money. I, I can, I can make your life miserable. You can lose your job. Yeah. Let this go through. So those are all things that happen. Yep. Um, I want to read a little bit of scripture. Um, and this is uh first Corinthians six. Um, and it's I'm gonna start in verse sixteen. It says don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? This is the soul tie that I'm talking about, right? For scripture says the two will become one flesh, but anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And then in verse 18, this is where I'm really trying to bring the point home. It says flee sexual immorality, which means run from it. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin 
a person commits outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. Yes, that's talking about touching yourself. Oh, (laughs) I didn't know we were going there. Yes, that is. Oh, (laughs) now I will. I'm going to tell you, you're going to have Christians who disagree with you on this. And because it, they, they don't believe that because it's not with a person, um, that it's not. Um, sexual immorality or sinful hmm. that it's it, it falls within a gray area i keep hearing be nice <laughs> yes it, it's sexual immorality it is can, sex- you, can you explain why you believe that absolutely if you're fornicating with yourself if you're touching yourself if you're thinking unnatural thoughts about doing the deed with someone else while touching yourself. What does that mean? You are for one. It says in Matthew for once you start looking at somebody in a lustful manner, you have already committed adultery. And you, and, and you believe that masturbation, let's just call it that, um, that it, um, that it, uh, it, it encourages lust in the in the brain in order to do that. You, you can go fill it up water <laughs> in the sink. So is is that what you're saying? Like in order to in order to self pleasure, um, the the brain automatically goes to lustful thoughts of of people. Absolutely. Okay, I Am agree. I-, I I I do agree with that. I don't know anyone that just self pleasures. And doesn't think of somebody in a lustful manner. Yeah. I, I've, okay, I have 10 brothers. And if you guys listen, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> We've had convos. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, hey, man, like, well, you were out there, you know, yep. playing pew pew, man, in Afghanistan, Iraq, wherever they're like it's always been to our wives girlfriends you know girls that we see of course i'm using the softer language that they would use you know so i'm going off of what i've heard by many 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 men yep so someone can't sit there and tell me oh well no i don't believe in it because i i'm not you know i'm not doing it with somebody i'm not you know laying with somebody it's in the Bible. If you look at somebody in a lustful manner, you've already committed adultery. And it doesn't ha- adultery does not have to be with someone else. You can literally lust. It is a it is a 10 commandment rule. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. So when you're looking at somebody that's in I'm having to adjust her volume down because she's getting heated. I know. Yeah, you're good. Getting, you're good. Know, you're getting a little hot and bothered. You know, 
when you're watching a porn, when you're watching a TikTok or something like that, that is someone's girlfriend. Let's talk about thirst trapping on TikTok. Ooh, let's do that. So when you're doing that, you're automatically already. <laughs> Josh walked in and walked straight back out. <laughs> we, we, we remember we, we got rid of our TikToks. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we got rid of our TikToks. Simultaneously because at the same both, time. both of the men in our lives were like, you need to delete this. And we're like, I think we need to listen to them. So know. We were fighting it for a cool minute and they were like, fine. But, you know, those thirst traps, I mean... I mean, I like I came across um, this like dude. He always like does cooking videos, and he's always mm. shirtless, mm. and he always um, handles the food in a provocative. provocative and sexual manner, you know. And and it and it is for thirst traps. And I'm sorry that that's like that airs on the side of pornography. I mean, because it's insinuating that, and it's and it's lusting after people. And I don't want to go in too far into a rabbit hole of TikTok, but like that's like the type of stuff that um that is that kids see on TikTok <laughs> that triggers that 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 curiosity in their brain for stuff that they should not be. And I, I'm all for banning TikTok. Absolutely. I was I was not there. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, well, I use it to like, you know, learn how to make better, you know, baking stuff. I'm on the baking side of TikTok and then cake gate happen. Mm -hmm. And then I started watching it for like baking stuff and like growing vegetables and like then all of a sudden it went like far left. However, you know, I, and, I, and I do apologize to the believers, the Christians that say that I'm wrong mm-hmm. for thinking that, you know, pleasuring yourself is not um, sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Because to me, I apologize, but I think it is. Whether you're a man or a woman, if you're if you're watching these YouTube videos or these TikToks or these shorts where a dude is... You, you know, relatively good looking and he's out there, you know, doing, you know, dancing while making a pizza or whatever. (laughs) Um, And you're lusting and you're like, dang, why can't my man do that? Or why can't my girl do that? Yep. You you already messed up. Yep. Oh, oh, oh. yep. Go ahead, Josh. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but Montana banned TikTok. Thank God. Literally, I it needs to happen. Yes. Um, uh, just this past week, I believe. So hopefully Wyoming will follow of, suit. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yep. Um, you know, and when it comes to, you know, specifically we're talking about this book and, and all of this stuff and like the sexual immorality and pushing this like weird stuff, um, you know, disagreeing with people doesn't mean we're denying the pain of what they're going through. Like, I see your pain. I see your struggle. I see the confusion. And I just want to point you to the Bible. I just want to point you to Christ. I just want to point you to truth because here's the thing is like, I know we've, we've sounded very passionate about this and angry at times. And it does. It makes me angry because people are falling for the lies of the devil. And regardless if you fall, if you're falling for the lies of the devil with homosexuality, transgenderism, uh, living together before marriage, even though you're heterosexual, um, you know, or, you know, sleeping around or lust or whatever, it still falls under the same umbrella of sexual immorality. And it is still feeding into the lies of the devil. And it is one thing that just keeps you bound. And I don't want people to be bound. 
because I know what that bondage feels like. And so Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And his truth is his word. So dive into his word. And and, and the Bible sets up literally in, in chapter 3, verse 1, or no, th- w- w- chapter 1, verse something, where it literally says, no, chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, and he created them male and female. He created them. He lays out the groundwork for it. Can you repeat that one more time? Because I know it's male and female, but everyone's going to have whatever pronoun they want to identify nowadays. Yep. Um, Genesis 3. It says, he created them male and female. He created them. I saw a short on on YouTube because I'm on YouTube a lot lot nowadays for, you know, cooking and whatever. And um, this person identifies as a bee. (laughs) Josh is literally going. (laughs) Okay. And I follow someone named um, Chuck, the curly haired dude or whatever. And he's a hardcore um, he's Latino mm-hmm. and he's a hardcore Republican, um, conservative, you know, basically he's me, but in a male version, like okay. hot and spicy and loud. And he was like, is this what we, we've come to? Mm. He's like that people are identifying as animals yeah. and B is having a good day. And something about how they were like, they're on a medication or something, right? And that the nurse referred to them by their dead name. Okay. And I've joked here and there like, oh my gosh, don't use my slave name, you know? Mm -hmm. But are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? This is what we're, we're choosing to be offended by. This is what, no wonder... Josh was like mental problems. Yeah. No wonder America gets made fun of. No wonder. No wonder. No wonder. Why they're, we're the laughing stock of the world right now. I remember yeah. when Trump came out to say and make America great again. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't talking about, you know, the stigma of racism. Yeah. He was talking about let's make America great again. Just generalizations. Exactly. When it came down to holding tight the the Sunday as the day of reverence. Mm-hmm. When I came to Wyoming, I'm not going to lie, it freaked me out that shops were closed on day and Mondays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still kind of freaks me out at times because yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm used to 24-7, 365, yeah. go, 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 go. Yeah. And like... Like Trump or not, I was paying a lot less when the man was president, but I will say this, though. Um, I mean, I voted for the man twice, but um, I believe Trump has some serious narcissistic tendencies, mm-hmm. and he definitely did not want to shut his mouth, and so he, he, he did kind of shoot himself in the foot, and so like him or not, love him or not, hate him or whatnot, um, essentially, this is about the truth and that is Christ. And we need to make sure that we hold compassion 
in conversations like these and, um, we, we need to have courage to defend what God says about humans and, and how it, and how it is made and how we were made. Um, and we will be called bigots or worse for it. Um, but the biggest thing is, is like Josh that you, you, you've mentioned a couple times is, um, the mental illness and, and it uh, often in scripture, it says, think on things above, set your mind on things above. Um, and how we perceive life is it all starts in the mind first. And, you know, um, Ephesians four twenty two and 24 says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. It says to be renewed by, or to have our minds being renewed and to, th- and to dwell and to think on these things. And so if we put in our minds, these negative thoughts and these confusing thoughts, and we dwell on those, that is eventually what is going to become our reality, but we have to renew our minds in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's right. And the way I, the way I think about it is, you know, the Bible says to build your house on the rock, which mm-hmm. is Christ Jesus. Yep. And not build it on the sand. And I, I, you know, a lot of people build their houses on the sand. They're, they're getting tossed to and fro from the waves mm-hmm. as they're coming on shore on the sand and they have no stability. They, Oh, they get pulled one direction and then they get pulled another direction and they don't know what to think. They don't know what to do because it's just complete confusion and yep. no, they have no direction in life. Yep. Romans 12 too. do not copy the behavior. This is in the NLT. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Go ahead. <laughs> it starts in the mind. What we believe is what we perceive. I went to seminary school on um, the way I see the world coming to right now. Mm-hmm. It's literally Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it is. It absolutely <laughs> is Sodom and Gomorrah. It, it it's becoming more and more and more, and we get told. I get told the most. You should be the most accepting. Acceptance isn't love, because you come from a background that is not necessarily well accepted. Mm. you come from a background where you're not viewed as pretty. You Mm. come from a background that's not viewed as, you know, smart Mm -hmm. or um, wanted. Yep. And to see the lies that are being spewed out by people like that TikTok person 
something dude i don't want to say his name because his following came after somebody else and they were they found huh, they found where this person's daughter went to school okay they found pictures of this person because they're they're not christian but they are um a more there are they are a conservative um religion and they found pictures of this person in in, in not wearing what they were supposed to be wearing and i'm not talking about um ex, you know indecency or unmodest yeah, yeah um and this person always opens up their tiktok with this message is for the kids. Your parents screwed up. This is what we are allowing our kids to watch. I want to know why Kirk Cameron's um, read-along got canceled. Mm-hmm. But a drag queen's read-along didn't get canceled because of what? Yeah. We are being told to be accepted and to continue it to be shoved down our throats, but when we speak, when we say something, when we say no, when we say, I don't care what you identify, don't shove it up my throat. I'm still going to identify you as a man. Whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. we're the wrong ones. I'm the wrong one. Mm-hmm. I know of, of friends of mine who um, who are the L or the G, you know, of the LGBTQ. You know, they're they're gay or they're homosexual, um, and they're like, this trans stuff is disgusting. And they're like, they're like, we don't, we don't, we don't like this, like keep the kids away from it. Like, don't do this. Or, you know, like if the parent wants to take a kid to a drag queen parade, that's on the parent. And it is, that's on the parent. That's the parent's choice. Um, I, do I think it should be allowed? No. Um, but they're like, you know, they're like, they don't agree with it. And they're like, we like as a majority of a community don't really, um, accept this type of behavior, but it seems like the squeaky oil or the squeaky wheel is what gets the oil. And so it's a minority that's really pushing this. But as we've seen with what's going on with Bud Light, what's been going on with Nike, um, what's been going on with Ulta and the, even Adidas. The, yep. All of that. We're starting to see that people are really not for it as much as they had originally thought or planned because Bud Light is losing its but right now, because of the the Dylan Mulvaney, um, and Dylan Mulvaney thing, and I think it's because people who are against it didn't like what Josh said. Joshua said, um, you know, it's because people were afraid to have a backbone, and people were afraid to stand up and and say something, and so the people, you know, so it was like, yeah, sure you know, this is okay. Just as long as you don't push your life on me, I don't push my life on you. You can do whatever. But it just kept progressing and progressing and progressing and we stayed silent for so long and now we're like how did we get here well we allowed it oh yeah we allowed it to get here but now the people are like starting to stand up for it and people are like oh um this isn't what everyone believes in it's not no it's not there um oh my gosh <laughs> 
Bud Light today lost a good, I think it was 2,000 um, of their stock. Mm-hmm. I mean... I mean, executives are being laid off. They're, you know, it's... Yeah. America yeah. as a whole, as a whole, is becoming more conservative because we're, we're, we're trying... I really believe that America is like, screw you and your wokeness. We are so woke that we are blind. I said it in the first podcast I ever sat down with you. Mm -hmm. We are so woke that we are blind and people are starting to have those Damascus moments where things are being ripped out of our eyes. are falling. Well, what, you know, and, um, I was listening to Tim, Tim Ross and he says, well, what happens when you're, when you're constantly awake? You become delusional. You start yeah. seeing things. You start seeing problems that aren't actually there. When you are, and he's talking about physically being awake. What happens to the brain? What happens to the body? When you are staying awake for long, long, long periods of time, you start seeing things that aren't there. You start believing things that aren't there. You're making mistakes and like all of this stuff. But it's, I mean, we we could sit here all day and beat this, <laughs> beat this subject <laughs> oh my over gosh. with a dead horse, <laughs> uh, you know. But we are officially over two hours oh my gosh and it, it's it's officially the longest one but but I, I i want to love people enough to tell them the truth and i think that's where people don't want to hear it people don't want mm, people want a hippie jesus people want to be saved but not be held accountable to the actions that they have. Yep. And I want to love people where they're at. Absolutely. We are called Absolutely. to love people where, where they're at. And I love everybody where they're at. But I can't stand with this. No. I cannot stand with this. No. This is something where even... Loving you where you're at is not, is, is not. And Christ does not accept us for who we are. No. Because if he did, he wouldn't have needed to die. But he, he loves us where we are at. But, and he, and he loves us and makes us go higher to, to things that are better and higher above and um, it is it is time for the church to to take a stand and and to start standing up and against this type of stuff. But we also need to start inviting these people in to our churches because church is for the sick. It is for those who need Christ. And I feel like sometimes we do a disservice to people because um, once again because we disagree with with people so much it is it, we stop seeing them as human we start seeing them as monsters and we start seeing them as the enemy we have to stay focused on who the actual enemy is and that is satan and he is the one that is causing a lot of the confusion and yes we also have to take accountability because we do make choices but we need to invite these people into our church and not just to church invite them into your home because they see how you live first before they go to church with you if they don't see christ in your life they're not going to want to go see christ in your pews right it's like you can't invite your neighbor to church if you've never invited them over for dinner yep it's that simple. Yep. Um, Joshua has a coworker, and 
a couple of days ago, I was at work mm-hmm. and the f- we text randomly and they texted me, hey, can you pray? This is coming from a couple that is self-proclaimed atheist mm-hmm. and Nordic. Mm. And I remember telling Joshua, um, can, we're going to be the ones to bring them back to the Lord. Um, so I think I want to do, I want to leave, I want to end on this verse. Do it. And it is Titus two. <laughs> I love Titus two. 11 through 14. And it says for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom righteousness and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. Amen. (laughs) Thanks, Josh. Well, Thank you guys for being with us and you can find us on, um, the, uh, on Instagram and God, she trust podcast and on Facebook at in God, she trust. And if you ever feel so inclined to give to the ministry, we have a cash up in God, she trust ministries. And I know this has been a very difficult subject and hopefully we did it with grace and love. And passion and passion. We definitely (laughs) got the passion in there. Um, but yeah, feel free to uh, reach out to me on Gmail. It's igstrusts at gmail.com. And as always, we love you guys. And I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.